This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's Lon Seidman, and we've got another interview today. This time we're talking to Andreas Goldie from Pixability, and they've done a really intriguing study that I am very biased about in a good way uh, because it talks about the importance of uh, consumer electronics brands on YouTube and how important independent creators like yours truly are to the process in uh, helping people work their way through buying decisions. And I want to, first of all, uh, welcome Andreas to the show. Welcome, Andreas. How are you today? Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, for coming on the show. And I'm, I'm most curious today about the, this, this notion of the independent creator and you know, how this impacts things. But maybe we'll start at the beginning, though. What is Pixability all about? What, do, what exactly do you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, Pixability is a software company. We make YouTube marketing software, and our main customers are big brands. We work for brands like Puma, Sharp Electronics, L'Oreal, and so on. We help them basically optimize their YouTube strategy. We provide them with data about what is going on in their respective industries on YouTube and then help them get visibility on YouTube itself, run efficient ad campaigns, do video SEO so that their content actually gets found. And one part of our business is also to help brands work with and engage independent content creators because obviously not only in electronics but in many industries as well, Independent creators are really, really important in shaping how people think about certain topics. So that's one of the things that we do as well. And independent creators are not as easy to find anymore, are they? Because, you know, when I started my channel, I had, you know, maybe 100 subscribers, all of whom knew me, (laughs) you know, just friends of mine. Uh, But as we were talking before we started recording, you know, one of my videos on on an external hard drive, you know, one morning, you know, got up to 25,000 or 15,000 views. And you know, it's hard to find me because maybe I don't have all those that many subscribers just yet, but yet a video I make could become the quintessential review video. How do you go about finding those needles in the haystack? Well, uh, we have developed big data software that harvests a lot of the videos that, is, that are on YouTube for a certain topic. And uh, we rank these videos by number of views, engagement levels, number of subscribers, and so on. Very often you find videos that have a ton of views, but actually pretty poor engagement. So people mm-hmm. really like the content. They don't share it. And you see, also see sometimes the opposite. People who have a very, very loyal following. People talk about the videos, comment, and so on. And this is obviously the content that you want to find because that's the stuff that really drives sales at the end of the day. Right. So that's how we help our customers find that stuff. And you're right. It's really, really hard to find people uh, who talk specifically about certain products. Uh, we have identified about uh, 100,000 independent video blockers in the consumer electronics space alone. And obviously, uh, that's a lot of channels to look at. Yeah, it sure is. And, and what is it that you're looking for when you want to recommend an independent reviewer to, to, a, to a brand? What, what are the sorts of things that, you know, 100,000 is a lot to just present to a client. So I'm sure you yeah. must say, here's top 50. How do you, how do you narrow it down? Right. Uh, we actually have a ranking methodology that we use, a proprietary algorithm that we can fine-tune depending on what a customer's problem uh, or goal really is. So sometimes 
customers just want to get as many views as possible. So you go with the big stars with hundreds of thousands of subscribers, I mean, millions of views. In other cases, they are looking for somebody who very specifically talks about certain topics. So one of our customers is, for instance, Kingston, and they, of course, care mostly about people who recommend uh, products for people who want to build their own gaming PCs, for instance, right? So we filter for very specific topics and we look at who gets the really high engagement levels. And then you can pinpoint the guys who really have influence in a particular community. So you'll go to these brands like Kingston and say, you know, hey, you should really target some products towards these folks. And what, what do you think, you know, if, if someone's starting out, because I get this a lot from people who want to start their own channels, you know, what are sort, the sorts of things that they should be doing to get noticed by companies like yours to, to receive product to review? I think the most important thing is really specialize in a particular topic because there are so many people out there now who talk about uh, electronics in general that you really want to be the expert for expert for a certain type of product, right? If you talk about smartphones today and about smartwatches tomorrow and about gaming PCs the other day, people don't really know why they should come to your channel. It's not clear to them why they should subscribe. And for brand partners, it's not really clear what you're really talking about and why they should work with you. So first thing is really concentrate on a particular subtopic. The, the next thing is try to be very, very active in the YouTube community. React to comments, reach out on various social channels, have a good Facebook page, a good Twitter channel, and so on, so that people really can find you wherever they are looking for information about the specific topic. And just be out there in the community all the time. Be something who is very approachable, because people really appreciate if they can talk to an expert directly. And I think that's one of the most key takeaways is to spend the time to actually respond to comments. And I do a lot of that. It's my morning ritual. I've got, uh, they, they have a new app now, the creator app. So I've got a little tablet that I wake up and I just start <laughs> banging out um, replies to comments because I found that a lot of times you, you can draw a lot out more from a product. I have one uh, product, the WD MyCloud, that I've reviewed that I really liked. I mean, I legitimately liked it. And uh, I got so many questions from it because it's kind of a new market segment for consumers that uh, it has generated probably close to almost two hours of content on one product. You know, it just keeps, it keeps growing. So it's been really fascinating. So let's talk more about this consumer electronics study. And, you know, you found that, that what the top five brands kind of dominate for the brand-owned channels most of the, of the traffic, but the independent people are, are more than everyone, right? Absolutely, yes. So we found that there is a total of about uh, 19 billion views uh, on electronics videos on YouTube currently. And it's just counting English language and pretty much the U.S. market. So the global market is, is still a bit bigger than that. And out of that, brands control about 4.5 billion roughly. That's uh, not a huge percentage, but it's more than in some other industries. For instance, we found in the cosmetics industry that brands control much, much less than that. In the electronics industry, by contrast, brands are spending a lot of money on YouTube promotion already. But still, the majority of all views is controlled by independent creators. So if brands uh, want to get their products in front of the, the general YouTube audience, they definitely have to reach out to creators and get them to review products and, and uh, compare products and so on, because that's just the only way how you can actually reach the, the overall audience. And obviously, independent creators have a lot of credibility, especially when they have a track record of producing great content great reviews, great how-to videos, and so on. So that's why they uh, accumulate that huge amount of views. 
take them together. And do you think brands are, are kind of scared about this? Because you know you could control the the, the paid media and, and to some degree the earned media because you knew what was out there. There wasn't a lot of, of wide-reaching earned media that you could, you, know, you could drop a product on Regis and, and Kelly in the morning and, and you were good, right? Um, but now there's, there's a million you know, little guys like me doing this and uh, they must be scared of this because it's not just who you send product to. I mean, I buy a lot of the stuff that I review and then, and then resell it. So you know, how, how do you, how do you, what do you talk to brands about? What are some of the things that they should be thinking about? Because it is kind of the wild, wild west now and, and that it consumers is. are taking back control, right? It's totally the Wild West, and for brands, it's a very unusual thing to adapt to for several reasons. First of all, you have all these many, many countless producers out there of independent content, so you're sifting through a ton of channels to figure out who to work with. Then very often, uh, these creators are actually quite picky about who they want to work with, so brands always think, oh, I'm just writing a big check, and then everybody will immediately want to work with me. That's not the case. Many Creators are very specific about, I don't like a certain brand or I don't like a certain way of uh, how to talk about the product. So, so brands are often very confused by that. I attended a panel discussion at, at YouTube's headquarters where they invited a few of the biggest video bloggers from different industries. And when uh, the vloggers told the brand people who were also present, brand executives, you know, I'm not working with just anybody. I just work with you if I really like the content and the whole setup of the piece. They just couldn't believe it. It's completely alien to them because they're used to just let's write a check and everybody will, will fall for it. Um, so brands really have to figure out uh, who to work with, what the right style is, and how you can really motivate uh, independent creators to uh, talk about your product. You really have to give them an incentive beyond the purely financial aspect of it. And uh, very often it's also important for creators to be featured on brand channels themselves. And some of the more most advanced brands do that quite systematically. They will work with independent creators and then, for instance, put these videos into a playlist on their own brand channel that gets a lot of exposure. So, you know, you promote your promoters to some extent and everybody wins at the end of the day. Everybody's subscriber numbers go up. And that's very often this kind of win-win situation that you should really be looking for. Right. It's interesting, too, because, you know, for a lot of us, you know, our credibility is the most important thing that we have. You know, we, we have subscribers and viewers, but you know, there's a lot of choices out there and people would leave tomorrow if, if they knew that I, so I don't take, um, I don't do reviews for money. So, so my revenue is, con, is, is coming from uh, advertising that I get on the YouTube channel. That's, that's probably about 85% of mm -hmm. what I do. Uh, the, the other 15%, and there's a few other little, you know, revenue areas too, uh, is affiliate sales back to Amazon. So my, my little rinky-dink channel has sent over $100,000 in sales to Amazon this year. It was pretty <laughs> remarkable. Um, but, you know, th those are the things where, you know, where my money comes in from. And now what's happening is, is that I'm getting so many requests to look at stuff that I'm getting pickier now. So I used to take anything that would come by because I, I would just, you know, my, my philosophy has been review it because my workflow is very fast. So it doesn't really take me all that much time to do it. Um, would be to review it, get it up, and see what kind of views it gets, because you never know what's, when something might get interesting. But, but you know, after like 75 uh, charging um, external chargers for your <laughs> iPad, you know, you can only take so many. So I've, I've kind of cut back a little bit. I'm more picky about it. You know, certainly uh, big brand products, I'm very attracted to reviewing because uh, they get views. And what I found, like, in the camcorder space, um, anytime I hear of a new camcorder that's under $500, I buy it immediately uh, mm. to review because it will not only will it get viewed like a lot right off the bat because there's tremendous interest in low in low cost camcorders, even though the market's dwindling for that. 
um, I can also resell it very quickly also and make most of my, my money back on it. So it's been, it's been pretty interesting. So I wanted to talk to you too, though, about you know, consumers because you know, they're a big part of this, right? They're the ones that are out there researching products and doing all these things. You know, what, are sorts of, what are the sort of things that consumers should be looking for when they're researching a product? Because you know, there, is some, there are people that are doing this for money. They're supposed to disclose that they're being paid. Uh, by mm -hmm. FTC regulations, but what are some of the things that, that you've seen out there as far as what consumers are finding valuable that, um, you know, that independent people are doing? Right. Uh, we actually found a quite interesting effect, and that was that before the launch of a product, people tend to go to a brand channel. So, for instance, when Samsung announces their latest smartphone, it typically takes a few weeks before it actually is available and comes out. And during that time, people actually tend to go to the brand channel to look at all these feature videos and so on and really get informed about what this new product does. And obviously, you know, they know it's advertising, so they take it with a big grain of salt, but at least they can learn about what new features a product offers. But then at the very moment when the product comes out and is available, it completely switches. All the views suddenly then go to the independent creators because then you can suddenly access independent reviews uh, for people who really have hands-on experience with a product that just came out. And I think consumers really need to pay attention who to trust and who to listen to. A good indicator is if somebody has clearly a loyal audience, I mean, a respectable subscriber number and, uh, you know, good view numbers, and many likes, for instance, on key videos, many comments, that's often a quality signal that really shows you that there's somebody who really does great work that people really appreciate and really uh, keep on sharing. And, uh, you know, just be smart about the style of the video. I mean, if it's a paid review, apart from official disclosures that most people do, but unfortunately not all of them, uh, you often can tell if a, a review is overly positive and uses language that uh, is clearly coming from a PR department. You should probably be a bit, a bit skeptical. But we have seen that people even like uh, reviews that are clearly paid for because most uh, really good independent creators still keep their own voice. They, they absolutely will say negative things about the product, even if they get, they're getting paid for it or get the product for free. So uh, it's, it pays off to, to take a bit of time to figure out who you really trust on YouTube. I mean, it's, for most topics, there are, is only a, a limited number of people who really do good, good reviews. And once you find them and subscribe to them, that's trusted channels that you can always go back to. And I think that's one of the neat things about video content, especially for me as a creator, because I had a blog. I did, I did everything everyone else did for so long, but video was really where I started to build an audience because it isn't easy to do this. You know, I had to buy all this equipment, figure out how to use it. I have to use it while I'm talking, which is often really hard. Um, you know, chewing gum and walk is, walking has been a challenge for me. But, um, but you know, those, those things seem to be working better in that they, I guess there's a scarcity on quality content, and it's easier to generate text content. Is that what you're finding out there, that video is, is, is the better avenue for a lot of these brands? Yes, absolutely. I think if you want to produce serious content the, the way you are doing it with you know, a lot of high-end equipment and, and in a really polished way, you really have to be serious about it. I mean, blog posts is, are something that anybody can write very quickly so that uh, the kind of the hurdle is much, much lower. And I think if uh, somebody is really serious about their video channel, their YouTube channel, and produces on a regular basis, you can assume that they really know what they're doing and they are serious enough to really provide quality information. One thing we always look for, uh, especially when we recommend creators to brands, is, is somebody really consistent about publishing on 
a regular schedule. So some of the very best uh, independent creators across all industries come out with new content twice a week or so. So that's typically hard if you still have a day job, obviously. But um, at least being consistent about how often you come out with fresh content is a very important quality signal. That's great. Great information. Now, consumer electronics is, of course, not the only thing that you focus on. So how does, let's say, consumer electronics differ from you know, the beauty industry or, or other consumer uh, verticals out there? I mean, is, is, there, is it all the same formula or, or are things very different depending on what you're looking at? Now, they're actually very different. I would say uh, the beauty industry, for instance, is quite a bit more advanced in terms of how popular bloggers, uh, vloggers are. I mean, there are stars like Michelle Fawn and Bethany Moda who have now huge followings. I mean, when they do a signage in New York City, then teenage girls will actually stand in line for hours just to see their YouTube idol. And we don't see quite the same yet in the consumer electronics space, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for my line at VidCon, right? That <laughs> people line up for me. Definitely <laughs> on the way. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's getting there. Maybe electronics is just a little bit uh, more involved in many ways. I mean, obviously, the product that you're testing are much more expensive, so it's not the same as testing a new lipstick. Um, but I think uh, we see many industries, and that includes things like cars, for instance, and many other industries, that uh, you get this kind of list, top list, A and B list of, of top bloggers that really are starting to build a, a, a huge audience. And I think the most extreme uh, industry is definitely gaming. Mm. Uh, the biggest YouTube star of them all, PewDiePie, has right. but. 28 million subscribers or something crazy like that. The other day when he flew to Singapore, he was greeted by 3,000 screaming fans. That's at amazing, the isn't it? Unbelievable. And that's one thing that I found fascinating too is that with, with my videos, I'm getting a lot of international traffic. So I think about, depending on the month, 30 to 40% of my revenue is coming from overseas viewers, you know, mm. as far as the YouTube ad revenue is concerned. And uh, I see, you know, people trying very hard to communicate with me because they have questions about these products that they're not getting the answers to in, in their native language. So they're you know, going through the Google Translator, just trying to get uh, as much as they can uh, from me. I'm actually, you know, at one, at one point I'll have to hire a, a translator to run the transcription on the bottom because I, I see it tremendous. And certain products get tremendous traffic from uh, countries outside of the United States. So that's got to pr prove to be a challenge, too, for these brands, right? Because they have right. these, these you know, uh, nation-based uh, marketing arms that they have to kind of contend with, right? Uh, you're spot on. I mean, traditionally, marketers think in terms of these cleanly separated national markets. And, uh, you know, most traditional media is really only in a particular country or particular region of the world. And YouTube is just a global medium. There's no way around it. You can't segment it by country. It doesn't make any sense. And very often that can be a challenge because especially electronics brands still sometimes come out with a new product, especially smartphones, for instance, in a particular part of the world. And uh, everybody else is getting it only months later. And uh, that's a real challenge for brands to control that. Uh, but it's also uh, an opportunity for creators. So um, I, for instance, was a co-founder of a, a gadget blog based in Germany, and uh, one of my successful videos was actually a test of the iPad when it just came out four years ago, and it was only available in Europe a few months later. So we actually made a live show uh, streaming on uh, YouTube uh, that was very, very successful, just basically showing off the new iPad that we had bought just a few minutes earlier in Boston. So I think when uh, creators are smart about this international aspect, they can be tremendously successful because not all 
countries have the same amount of information that is available about electronics. The U.S. is obviously very spoiled with all the great gadget blocks that are here, but uh, you can find an international audience that can actually be very loyal and very lucrative commercially at the same time. That's great. So last question, where is all of this going? Um, and this is a two-parter. Uh, where is it all going? Uh, but also, you know, is, is there anyone out there that will really be able to challenge YouTube's market dominance? I mean, they almost, I mean, I look at my, I put my stuff on a few other sites, but nothing even is in the same, you, you know, galaxy as far as YouTube is concerned. Is, is YouTube, you know, unstoppable at this point? Or is there other uh, things you're seeing that might, you know, develop some interest among viewers? Um, yeah, we, the way we see it, YouTube is at least 90% of the market in almost everything. And um, that's something that people are very aware of. It's the default place to go for video content, obviously. But there are a bunch of companies, big and small, that are now trying to address this and uh, get a piece of the action. Most lately, just last, last week, actually, Amazon came out with a new site called Video Shorts in their um, uh, video section. And they're kind of you know, publishing product reviews. And uh, as you would expect it from Amazon, for every review video, you have convenient buy now buttons right next to it. <laughs> it's nice. Um, it's still the very, very early days, obviously, for these guys. Yahoo is rumored to come out of a YouTube competitor. But I think we'll definitely see a few more years, at least, of total YouTube dominance. So for every creator and also for consumers, I think that's the first place where you need to go. And uh, if you have a niche audience that is on maybe another network that might be out there, it might be worth trying as well. I think gaming has some networks that are quite strong. Machinima, for instance, right. is building stuff outside of YouTube and others are as well. That's probably the only industry that I can think of where you really see some volume outside of YouTube. Everybody else is still pretty much stuck on YouTube, I think. But in a good way. I mean, it's a, it's a friendly platform. It's a very open platform. So they're definitely... Uh, it's definitely a good choice. Yeah, and, and for me as a creator, I, there's no other social media platform where, where I can share the revenue with the company that I am giving my content to. So that's a, right. a really good thing for, for me and for a lot of people, actually. So, so where can people find the study if they want to look into this and read more? It's available for everyone, right? Yes, exactly. It's uh, on our website, pixability.com, and then go to industry studies and you can download it for free. Excellent. Well, Andreas, thank you very much for joining us today. This was really uh, in interesting stuff, and I hope a lot of brands will listen to uh, everything you have to say because this is really, um, it's been amazing, like the last year's worth of growth that I've had here, and, and I hope uh, people do uh, pick up on what you're doing there and uh, get thanks. it out to the world. So thanks again uh, for joining us, and this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching.